Welcome to the Altruistic Traveller podcast, interviews with influential changemakers from around the world. That recycling is no longer sufficient to, to deal with these. That type of volunteering actually is proving to be more harmful. Trying to elevate poverty. I mean, they didn't see me that way. They see me as a human being, someone who needs help. Be inspired, educated and moved by global initiatives making this world a better place. For more stories and resources, please visit thealtruistictraveler.com. Buongiorno, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we are talking about storytelling and the importance of storytelling in the social and environmental impact space. I have a special guest, Jonathan Lee, a visual storyteller. Jonathan's in Rome at the moment, hence the Italian. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, I'm not actually Italian, so I wanted to start (laughs) with that. (laughs) I just happened to be in Rome (laughs) while talking to Bianca right now. Yes. We're both nomads. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I am cow surfing at the moment through the official website. So, yes, definitely... um, fitting that description very well right away. <laughs> um, I, w- I want to read your bio. I, like, I love reading bios. So I'm just going to read um, this paragraph that stuck out to me. So you're Please. Hong Kong born, California raised, earth and climate science educated, permaculture minded, dumpster diving, food saving, opportunivore, and camera equipped traveling documenter and content creator who frolics in the mountains, cycles everywhere with a burning passion to co-create a more beautiful world we know is possible. That is amazing. Please write my phone <laughs> for me. <laughs> I have to say, I wrote that maybe a year and a half ago now. And I actually forgot that I put all that together. And I also want to add that the last bit, the co-creating world our hearts know is possible, is from an author that I follow, that I admire um, from the East Coast of the U.S. His name is Charles Einstein. So hat tip to him for putting that so eloquently. Sharing inspiration. Um, Yes. So... And yes, I'll write you your bio. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Side note. Um, Tell me about, uh, you know, actually, we'll start with what sort of your definition of a storyteller is in your words. Mm, I haven't been asked before. That's great. I would say that a storyteller is not something new first and foremost. And uh, I think there is a resurgence of that terminology being used in the social media space. And I, I like where it is overall, but to me personally, that's been in existence for a long time because our ancestors used to pass knowledge and experiences and you know, daily uh, their own stories um, through storytelling. Um, and for me now, it is a methodology in which you can evoke certain emotions, motivate and inspire inner and outer action for a cause, for something that one is interested or passionate about, and also to inform. So I think I may have said that. Um, so for me, that means capturing what I'm hearing, seeing, feeling, 
and through the mediums of photography stills, video interviews, show an audience or the other person what I'm feeling and gaining and learning and hopefully transfer that essence to to that person or persons. Beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree. And I feel like, I mean, we've both been working in the social and environmental impact space for quite a long time. I feel that mm-hmm. storytelling is particularly important when it comes to these areas um allowing what allowing a platform to kind of share the stories of people and i suppose yeah like you were saying drive that um emotional connection so Mm -hmm. do you predominantly work with uh impactful organizations yeah and individuals for sure been doing that for several years and in that particular in this area how do you find that storytelling plays such a role Mm, another good question you're just on it i would say that okay this is actually allowing me to really think and reflect so one of the one of the issues i discovered when i was an undergraduate studying climate science and geology and earth sciences is that the the folks in academia and science they do really great work they gather amazing data they have really astounding findings but the but the findings and data wasn't translating well and transferred to a greater global audience so for some reason i saw this disconnect where the climate scientists are very obviously finding that, you know, our ice caps are melting, our oceans are rising, it's acidifying, and there's loss in ecology and habitat. But somehow that's not translating to the other folks who are not scientists, who are not in the field, who are watching all these phenomena happen in, in our natural world and changing the habits and seeing the drawing the dots in which they're going, oh, our actions have this consequence. And it's not a regional um, occurrence. So I'm, I'm, I'm realizing at a, maybe in my early mid twenties that that disconnect is due to the way in which that information is conveyed, which now several years, 10 years later, I'm realizing, hey, maybe th- that form of communication, that storytelling could be better could be improved, could be more relatable on that deeper human level. So I don't think it was quite intentional early on (laughs) for me to fall into where I am today, but I like to think that I'm getting better at it by the day, by the week, um, in wanting to take the knowledge I've gained in my studies and then through my work and travels now and encapsulating it in a form that people can go, oh, wow, I see the dot in me buying this product that has palm oil to deforestation in Borneo or maybe the Amazon or why is the Amazon on fire? Hmm, because of policies and other factors that we actually have uh, a role to play to reverse or change that for the better. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you cool. touched on some very important topics and some topics which have been highlighted as of late. Um, I just want to sort of go back to your personal journey um, and the start of it. So you were mentioning about 10 years ago, you started to see that the answer lied in alternative ways of sharing information. What's the past 10 years like been for you from where you were before to now working on documentaries in Nepal and, and other sorts of projects? Yeah, fair. Um, that's, that's a good next step. Ten years ago, I was still studying at the University of California in San Diego, and uh, the UC, or UC, UCSD for short. And uh, the UCSD education system includes the Scripps Institution of Oceanography, or SIO for short. I know a lot of acronyms. So UCSD is my school, and then SIO is the institution where I study oceanography and climate science. So I was really, 10 years ago, really kind of hard on the climate science. I was pretty convinced that this is the way I'm going to move forward. I want to add my interests, and I would even go as far as saying passion at the time, to study how our Earth works and how it's changing. So I was really considering... Um, getting a master's actually um, in some sort of climate earth science. And I would say it took me another year or two to realize that, hey, I'm actually not great at this stuff in terms of um, sitting in a lab for hours, collecting data, analyzing the data, <laughs> and writing, writing thesis and finding grants for it. Um, so that's when I, again, pivoted and explored what can I do in that realm but with a different kind of twist. So I had started volunteering for an organization that's based in the United States, but works primarily in Central America and also in West Africa on medical and public health. And also at the time they were starting an environmental and also microfinance program. So after volunteering with them a couple of times, I realized I really like being in the field, but perhaps not collecting data, but maybe like interacting with the locals, seeing the effects of environmental degradation, hearing their stories, uh, bringing that, again, that relatability, that human element into the picture and writing about it, taking images um, and posting it and telling people, hey, like you guys may be sitting in, Los Angeles enjoying your margarita, not thinking about climate change, but here I am just four, three, 4,000 kilometers away, you know, one flight in Panama and the people living on the islands here in the Caribbean are already talking about, and they live out of their canoes and really simple living situations. And they're already thinking about rising sea levels and climate change. So I'm like, hey, you know, what we're doing in one part of the world really affects other people in other parts of the world. And it's happening not in 50 years, not in a hundred years, but right now. And people less equipped, people who are polluting less or contributing far less than us in the more developed nations are already facing the consequences of it. Yeah. So that's when it really shifted. So I ended up after university 
working for this organization that does uh, the international development work. And that's what really got me into changing that mindset around how I can utilize my studies and applying it in a much different fashion. Right. And so you started with photography? It actually wasn't. It was actually one small element in my work. Um, the main aspect of the work was to coordinate other student volunteers at that undergraduate level, bringing them over to have this immersive week-long, eight-day-long experience on the ground in a country with rural community members and for them to be facilitating workshops, working alongside the community members, really similar to uh, what we do with Conscious Impact in Nepal, which I'm sure we'll get to. <laughs> yeah. um, but specifically in the areas of reforestation and organic agriculture, and also in cultural preservation, because we worked a lot with um, indigenous um, peoples in uh, Panama, specifically. Right. And so mm -hmm. when did you really start to transition into a more um, sort of hands-on creative role? Mm -hmm. It was probably towards the second half of my time in Panama. So I lived there in um, 2011 and 2012 for a little over a year. So the second half, I was really kind of coming on, realizing my huge interest in wanting to document and Back then, I didn't have a terminology for it, but I realized that I was actually finding equal, if not greater joy in documenting my time with the students and the community members there and posting it online so that my friends, family, and kind of network could see and also realize, wow, like there's all these different indigenous peoples in uh, what is geopolitically Panama. <laughs> And they have a very connected way of life to their surroundings and their knowledge of the land and the, and the water far precedes that of the, the colonizers who came and you know, the Spanish descent residents of Panama. And we actually have a lot more to learn from them and perhaps we can teach them. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so it was a whole big paradigm shift and um, it just coincided really well with my developing interest in uh, not just documenting natural beauty but also using that as a methodology to retell what i'm experiencing and what i'm learning amazing yeah i like as i suppose in a way having run the altruistic traveler for four years now my mm -hmm. main goal is to tell stories and you know i often think when i'm writing so deeply and reflectively about my experience i often find myself thinking i feel like that this needs to have about a thousand photographs with it and about you know um, <laughs> like a thousand movie clips so i could just really really get whoever is on the receiving end of that information to just to feel it to be there to feel what i feel because you could probably agree with me when when we're there in these places there's just so much emotion and so much mm -hmm. stimulation and you know one of the things that i always like to say is that 
the world that we see around us every single day is not the world that other people see around them. And absolutely to be able to see that. I think that's when we start to reduce the disconnect that has somehow occurred between human beings um, and between us and the planet. Yes. Can I, can, I, can I read you a really beautiful um, quote that yeah. I saw on um, – it, he's an athlete that I follow on Instagram, actually. And uh, I recently saw this and thought it was just on point and relating to what we're saying now. So this is by um, Ryan Robinson on uh, Instagram. Okay. And, uh, he, post, he posted his image from uh, Ushuaia, from Tierra Fuego in Argentina, so down, way down south, near the tip of South America. And he wrote, trying to explain the experience of travel, of adventure, the feeling of soaring through the air over colors and textures you never thought could be real. is like trying to explain the smell of a lover's perfume or the way someone once held your hand. And when we try to explain it to someone, all we can do is sit there and smile while our hearts search for words. Sometimes I feel the same, even about photos. I can show these to you, but you didn't see the fog lifting in the morning or hear the songbirds waking up with the sun. You can't smell the forest or feel the chilly air and the sun hitting you at the same time, but I hope you, someday you can. Ooh, that's that's deep. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Right? So put tears in their eyes because I have. <laughs> yeah, because when you said like earlier, Bianca, that you could be looking at the same thing at the same spot, even at the same moment, but each person feels and sees and takes away from that instance something different, sometimes radically different. So, yeah. I, uh, I find it such a fascinating phenomenon. <laughs> well, this kind of ties into, you know, what does storytelling help to, how storytelling helps to create change in our world? You know, so in your experience, you've worked with a number of NGOs and social enterprises, individuals who are change makers how have you mm-hmm. felt in your experience that, you know, potentially some of your stories or other stories have contributed to positive um, movements and positive environmental and social impact? Can you ask the question one more time? I'm, I'm feeling it, but I just want to really understand the question and answer it properly. Yeah, no worries. So the questions regarding the relationship between storytelling and change making. So mm-hmm. you've worked with a number of NGOs, social enterprises, individuals to tell their stories that will lead to them creating impact. And I just wanted you to share some of the examples or your thoughts on that relationship and how storytelling can help to drive change in our world. Yeah, beautiful. So it's, oh, it's, a, it's a multifaceted question with a multi-layer response (laughs) (laughs) it's okay Uh, yeah no it's wonderful multi-layered as we like 
<laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. I would maybe uh, I'll start I'll start trying to chip away at that with um, some great examples, if I may. I'm thinking right away to New Zealand. That's where my mind's going because New Zealand was um, a really great. I I want to say testbed, but really it was a platform for me. It was a new, fresh platform for me to jump onto. Really radically new and beautiful environment for me to to feel and and learn and also network. I, I met some incredible movers and shakers in the social enterprise and NGO space who really inspired me and uh, who I also had a chance to work with and learn from um, over there. And one example I can give is um, at the Social Enterprise World Forum, which is how I started, jump-started my time in New Zealand. I met, goodness, like hundreds of people who are taking it upon themselves to utilize business and uh, their NGOs, nonprofits to be change drivers, right? So they could be just like a coffee shop, but not just an average coffee shop, but they're sourcing ethically, they're sourcing organically, and they're really paying everyone along the way, right? The farmers, the transporters, the roasters, and the sellers um, a fair wage. And putting that economic stimulus in all the right places along the full life cycle in the chain so that that money is then recycled for good projects and initiatives in New Zealand and maybe Central America where coffee's grown by people who really care for people and environments and it was just really awesome to, to see that and then while in Christchurch which is where I spent a lot of the time in New Zealand I worked with um, a local organization to talk about the, the resilience and um, the growth out of the earthquakes in Christchurch and how people are responding by coming back together as community and growing food and, in the local community gardens and how they're banding together to create this food resilience because they realize, especially after the earthquake, that if we're always importing stuff from places around the world and we don't think about seasonal locality, um, and where the money is exiting and coming in, then it's not benefiting the city and the region where people are buying and spending money and, and wanting to cultivate that sense of bond and also that connection to the land. So I was able to talk to a lot of folks and really gain, gain that perspective. Um, yeah, New Zealand was just, oh my goodness, such a great cultivation bed. And of course, as you mentioned a little bit earlier in Nepal, through our project Conscious Impacts, which I'm so happy you had a you had a few days there and got to meet some of my beloved friends and community. Uh, we've taken storytelling really deep on talking about our three main programs, right? The youth empowerment, the natural rebuilding, uh, following again earthquakes, um, and then of course the the permaculture inspired agroforestry. So I'm I'm really happy to bring a spotlight through my work and in collaboration with these entities that have a very different audience and network than I do so that we can amplify and expand who gets to hear and uh, learn from 
these pieces I get to put out and these stills and videos, short clips, even in a form of like Instagram stories and captions and longer form writing through maybe like blogs that we've put out uh, just to inform and hopefully get folks to be like, hey, like maybe there's something in it for you. Maybe, um, you know, you've been wanting to try out organic gardening. Hey, give it a shot. It doesn't hurt to throw some seeds in the soil and, you know, make your own compost and even in your apartment. And uh, it's really easy and you get a lot out of it. And sometimes you get strawberries. <laughs> so just to have pe- folks realize that it is within anyone's power, so long as they have their basic needs covered, to do something that benefits themselves, those around them that they care about, and definitely for the greater world. Well, I was certainly moved by your Conscious Impact documentary. And for those listening, (laughs) (laughs) I'll put the link in the description. But yeah, it just, you know, having been somebody who was there, so I already knew what it was like, but, you know, and I could see that it encapsulated pretty much what it was all about. And um, I mean, it was a short documentary, but I bet a lot of work went into that. Like, let's talk about (laughs) how much work goes into like an eight minute clip. Yeah, fair question. Um, I would say in this case, eight, nine minute clip represented about eight, nine months of planning and work. So obviously our project is unique in the sense that we have physical project in Nepal, but a lot of team members are from North America. (laughs) So it requires a bit of traveling, a bit of immersion, and uh, because it is such a a young organization with, uh, that we don't have an angel investor or donor, and we're so far completely grassroots funded by individuals that we know by name, or maybe they're family members or friends. We're really slim and slender on our budget. So it's driven by people like yourself who've come through, who've had the motivation to do podcasts, who've written about it. Uh, People like myself who've come equipped with um, special technology and equipment to capture it and retell it. And thanks to platforms like social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter and all that, we've been able to leverage all of these you know, quote, free platforms and blast it out to first, second degree connections, um, just people who care and people who are curious, right? And uh, be able to tell that. So we've had really four years of work encapsulated into a nearly nine minute film. And the idea came up maybe two years ago, but I actually didn't at the time have the technical capabilities to really put it together and I think last year after all of my training and kind of like upgrade in New Zealand I was able to finally go hey I think I finally have the capability and the know-how to piece this together and to discuss it and storyboard it so let's make it happen team and so we put our heads together made a framework storyboard scripted it, refined it, and spent about two weeks on the ground filming it, refilming it. And then I took all the states with me and very slowly as I found time and the ability, the mental space to put it together, a series of drafts, rough drafts, and we just put it out about a month ago and the reception has been great. 
So from conception, <laughs> really about two years ago, but to really putting it into action and words from September to November last year, and then we put it out in uh, late September this year. Wow. I mean, congratulations on that. It, it is, I really did love it. And it just kind of goes to show, you know, how much work does go into these things behind the scenes. But I just wanted to kind of touch on, you know, your work, that movie in particular, but the work that you do as a whole, I just mm. really feel like it just, it, it, there's just so much love in it. And you really feel that as somebody who not only watches your movies, but somebody who reads your blog, like there is passion there, you know, it must feel like, so it must feel so rewarding to be able to do something that you truly love. Like what was that journey like for you to get here? That's a, thank you for asking that beautifully crafted question. <laughs> it shows a lot of, uh, shows a lot of uh, actually dedication on your end too. Um, kind of reading up on what I'm putting out there and even going back on what I've posted in the past. So thank you for taking that time and yeah, just uh, investing into me. <laughs> I appreciate we all, it. We all have our inspiration, right? Like I spend a lot of time trying to inspire, but I also have a lot of people who inspire me and, and that's what it's all about, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, uh, that resonates deeply with me because uh, we can't always be the person filling other people's cup, right? We have to be, we have to have our cups filled periodically, if not consistently, because it's just, uh, it's never really a one-way street. It's like we're symbiotically and kind of multi-dimensionally helping and receiving help by so many other humans, right? And also places, so that journey, yeah, that journey for me has been really blossoming in the last few years. I think it started, as I touched on, back in Panama uh, without maybe the terminologies and maybe mindsets that you and I would be able to say more concisely now or eloquently now. But it's always been about kind of a passion-driven action steps. And uh, at the core of it for me is... I'm driven by my fascination and love for nature and just the natural systems, the way in which our planet and Milky Way and greater universe works, how it's formed and how it continues to function and fascinate me with all the beauty and wonderful design that it is, you know, just like from watching every unique piece of snowflake, right? Like they're all have different shapes and to seeing like, the micro and macro, right? Looking at gigantic waterfalls and thinking about, oh my gosh, all that water was once in the air and or it, it was flown underground and now it's just cycling through. I just have to like, oh my gosh, how is that possible to like rainbows and gigantic like blue whales and even bacteria. I just have that fascination for it. So I'm really like driven by that. And of course, as you know, like having seen my travel and photo patterns i love the mountains there's something about like looking at these giant sculptures of rock and ice and forest that i just have a deep love for and then lately i'm not only driven by the physical nature i'm also fascinated by people and especially people in in places that you don't expect to have human settlement or like in, for example, in a really harsh environment, like in the Himalayas, 
I'm fascinated by how people can live so resiliently and how they are able to physically, nutritionally, emotionally, mentally, and a lot of places spiritually. So the Himalayas for, as an, as a great example has always blown me away by like, how can people live about three, 4,000 meters? Like, how is that physically possible? Right. And, <laughs> and I go there and I see that they live very simply, but live very connected to the land and, and of course the water and elements and they put in a lot of love and devotion and and work into the land to work it and care for it and till it and grow the food that they need and uh, care for the animals that they uh, um, need to rely on to make that life happen so i'm really driven by that and i'm actually not really uh, a huge fan of cities except for them being amazing hubs for ideas and coming together of people like for conferences and um, maybe like co-working spaces and events. Uh, but cities as a whole kind of drive me a little crazy. Um, but I do, I guess I can walk both worlds pretty well, but I plug into cities knowing that I can go in there and network, make money, do really cool projects, meet awesome people. And then I plug out pretty quickly when I need to do to, kind of fill my cup from nature. But yeah, I'm constantly driven by those things. People that are really resilient, that do really awesome things, like yourself, Bianca. And then when I need to, I GTFO, excuse my language, and I just like <laughs> seek the solace and like peace of the forest or like, you know, a riverbed, <laughs> the ocean or in the mountains. Yeah, I find my balance there. But constantly, people that inspire me, and just the beauty of nature. That's what it boils down to. There's something about traveling to these remote places that makes you wonder, you know, what do we really actually need to be, mm. to be happy, to be content? Precisely. You know, yeah. in, in my own journey and a lot of the people that I meet um, who have decided to GTFO, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know like every day I just feel like I need less and less to be content and to be happy and it's like have I just been fed a lie like my whole life you know mm. it's, it's um oh gosh yes definitely something that I think about but I agree with you like I'm in Ubud at the moment and it's a bit of a bustling place but a lot of connections happening here and you know yeah. I think that connections are so important and, and you know going back to what the topic of the show today is about it is storytelling which is making those connections I think that you know we are where we are at right now and and you know the past has happened and so we kind of as much as sometimes we want to just escape to nature and like turn everything off and not and pretend like you know it's not all happening we do have a role to play to to improve and and to change things for the better and i think that through storytelling it's um it's going to allow us to just get on the same level and to understand what really needs to be done and what change needs to be made. Precisely. Yeah. hundred percent. I'm with you. And so I get, I mean, my show is about, uh, well, my show is conversations with that shape our future. And I talk with a lot of social entrepreneurs, a lot of people that are just 
heart led and really want to create a better world. Do you have, as a storyteller, like, do you have any advice for people who want to use storytelling and visual storytelling to um, improve and to, I guess, enhance their reach? Yeah, you're just on it with the questions today. I love it. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't even plan it. Yeah. Well, well done. This is this is the result of you being in um, Ubud, buzzing with um, good people and I'm sure good food too. And uh, just, maybe. Yeah. I just I just ate a raw chocolate bar from Ubud raw chocolate. <laughs> maybe the that would cacao do it. is like going through my It's the cacao talking. It's the cacao. <laughs> <laughs> Like a cow's using you as a medium to like say the truth. <laughs> There's my uh, spiritual saying for the for the podcast. <laughs> Everyone well, knows I don't function well if I don't have a daily dose of cacao. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You gotta you gotta you gotta treat yourself and you know your vessel and your your mind well in order for you to do what you need to do and make yourself feel fulfilled, right? Definitely. And, and ask really good questions. Yes. So I, I remember your question. I'm kind of uh, turning some cogs in my head and wanting to maybe start with a very simple answer, which is, I say for my tip, really, of maybe two tips, I suppose, as a starting point is talk about, write about, record about, and fill in the blank action verb, something topics that you sincerely authentically genuinely have an interest in and not only that that you feel serves the world so i think it coincides really well with the name in which you've been writing and blogging under being altruistic so yes you do have to honor that which interests you but also consider not only what interests you but we're on the venn diagram that overlaps with what is that as a service to the world? What is that as a something positive or something informative for the greater world? That's a really good starting point. So knowing, thing, knowing yeah. what, what, knowing your why? Knowing your why, yeah, is a, another way to put it. But really concisely, like what you're interested in and what you feel serves the world in a positive way. Right. So like you can say, yeah, I like to cook. Okay. You like to cook, but there's like a gazillion people talking about cooking and tutorials and cooking shows and all that. But what is something about cooking or culinary arts or food and you zoom out and say that you can do that could inspire some sort of positivity. So it could be like, Hey, like we live in a really busy world um, where people are, rushing everywhere and everything is packaged to go and people don't put a lot of thought into what they're eating and where the food is from. Maybe like your thing writing about food is, hey, how can we slow down a bit and really enjoy the taste and also understand that, oh, this mushroom was cultivated by a greenhouse farmer or this rice was grown by you know, a rice farmer and then another part of the world. Like, like consider, consider that as an aspect of your cooking show or blog. Does that make sense? And then yeah. if, you're, <laughs> if you're, say, a photographer, then, you know, one thing I see on social media is a lot of folks are going in for like, oh, I like that very Instagrammable shot. 
right? And everyone has this like, someone is sitting on the top of a cliff overlooking a valley and it's really epic. You get these like moody skies and like blue waters and like everyone has that picture. But can you then complement that really beautiful picture with something that invokes some sort of reflection, looking towards your inner self and going, hey, wh- why are you doing this? You know, what does travel mean to you? Can you write a caption like what I read earlier through Ryan Robinson of like, it's, it's so much more than just going to a place, snapping a photo and saying, check, I've been to the tip of South America. You know, is it that sense of awe that you can feel and bring with you? And that wonder like a kid seeing everything for the first time can you reapply that in other aspects of your life? Are you able to then gift that feeling, that experience to others, light someone else's candle? You know, that would be something that I would encourage people to consider if they want to increase their reach and also increase their impact. Right. I am, if you see my face right now, it's like as if I'm watching like a really intense part of a movie just with this, <laughs> like taking in every single word and I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, I could say that. Good. I, um, I feel like I've, um, I've done my part today. Yes. <laughs> um, was that both the points? Because you said there were two. Yeah, I suppose I Wanted to go concise, but I can't help but elaborate further. Yeah, amazing. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you so much. Um, Thank you for your inspiration. And um, for any of those listening who want some of Jonathan's weekly or fortnightly or monthly dose of inspiration, you can um, sign up to the blog at subtledream.com, right? Yeah, it's something that I don't, I think you probably blog much more consistently than I do. <laughs> I, I post more regularly on um, like Instagram stories, but occasionally when I have an inspiration, I would write something a bit more long form. But yeah, you can see it on my blog. You can see it as postings on Facebook and Instagram, whatever format you, you choose. And uh, yeah, I'm pretty easy to find. Everything is a subtle dream, as you say. Thank you. Um, is there anything that you wanted to share during the little bit of show time that we have left? Uh, goodness, we've, uh, we've covered some bases. I don't even know how long we've done it. <laughs> Nothing really. Um, I would say as a closing note, if you're interested in our work in Nepal, I would give our, our organization Conscious Impact a plug. <laughs> Check out uh, consciousimpact.org or Conscious Impact on all those social media channels. And uh, yeah, you know, if you want to join us, uh, please, we're open any time of the year except uh, during monsoon, which is um, the summer season in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, it's too rainy. We, we close our doors and uh, we take a little break. But otherwise, we're there from mid-September until uh, early June doing um, the work that we do. Are you, the, the are you heading on over? Like what, what are the next six months look like for you? Oh gosh. I don't think, I don't usually think six months ahead, but I do know <laughs> in the next month and a half, <laughs> I will be back. Yes. I'm flying from Rome actually tomorrow to Kathmandu. It's a long journey. 
but I'll land Saturday, so two and a half days from now. And uh, if everything goes well, if the buses don't cancel <laughs> and the roads are in good shape, I will be back with uh, the good folks of Conscious Impact by Sunday and uh, continue the, the filming, the storyboarding, and of course, the, the physical work on the ground. Amazing. And well, uh, I'll be back in uh, North America by December and likely be there for two, three months. Not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. I'm the same. I don't think I have any plan after November the 12th. So, um, yeah. but which is great because, you know, you just let, let you're just so open to anything that could happen. Um, it's very freeing. 2020 is a bit of a empty, big canvas to fill with uh, new stories and evolution of whatever we're working on already. Me too. We should collaborate. We should talk about collaboration. I like it. This is the first, I think, collaboration, I would call it. And I'd uh, love to do more. Seriously. Thank you. Well, um, say hello to Mother Himalayas for me. Um, no doubt. And thank you for coming on the show. It's been wonderful talking to you and hearing your wisdom, um, <laughs> learning a little bit about storytelling and yeah thank you so much um yeah <laughs> yes Enjoy right the back at you i'm i'm overjoyed we made this happen and it's just so appropriate that you're not in the place that you grew up i'm totally not in a place that i grew up but somehow we've made time very intentionally to make this last hour happen i thank you the Bianca. perks of the technological revolution yeah, thank you, Zoom calls. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy Rome. Enjoy Ubud. Until next time. Bye. Thank you for tuning into that episode. I love when the talks get inspiring like that. Uh, we're not always talking about facts, but talking about feelings and emotions. So, yeah, I hope you're feeling warm and fuzzy like I am. Um, if you're loving the podcast, please leave me a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Yeah, we've passed halfway through season two. Loving the um, the males on the show, actually. We've had a few in a row, just very inspirational. Um, next week, we're kind of going from one nomad to another. I've got uh, Tarek Kalusi, who is a good friend of mine and founder of Nomads Giving Back. We're talking about giving back when traveling and the roles we have as travelers and nomads and expats um, to you know, give back to the communities that we temporarily reside in. They open up their borders for us and allow us to live freely uh, in other parts of the world. So Tarek's social enterprise is about connecting people with local causes so that it makes it that little bit easier um, to give back. Uh, so really looking forward to that show. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you are shining from wherever you are in the world. <laughs>